I very interesting guest. He's one of our younger guests so far on the show. I will introduce him uh, in person just in a second. His name is Mark Merwitzer, and today we are talking with him. I'm in Victoria, Canada, and he is in Miami. So let's bring him in, and let's find out what this interesting young person has to share with us today. Hello. Welcome, Mark Merwitzer. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's a little afternoon where you are in Miami. Mm-hmm. And so, so far, um, you're our youngest person on the show, so that's very exciting for us. I'll wear that with a badge of honor. <laughs> Great. And you've been doing many things in your life that I consider um, take a leadership role and um, a lot of clarity and maturity as well for a long time. And you've, it seems like you're moving more like in the political on more of a political path. Would you say that mm -hmm. that fits what's happening right now? Yeah. So when I was younger, I'd say around like when I was 10, I originally wanted to be a pilot and um, just fly around the world and see it. Um, I lived in Germany for a few years. So that gave me, gave me a huge opportunity to see that part of the world. I wanted to see more of it. And I thought being a pilot would give me that opportunity. And also when I was a kid, I also played a lot of flight simulator. Um, and that just kind of felt like a natural path to go down. Um, and I guess when I turned roughly, I guess it was 2015 was when, when I really started paying attention to politics. Um, with the uh, 2016 election, the primary for that election began in 2015 when you had Bernie Sanders versus um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump versus the entire Republican field. And I saw the first debate of that presidential primary back in August of 2015. And I realized that the country had a lot of challenges we were facing in just watching both of those presidential nomination primaries um, in those debates. And I wanted to make an impact in any way I can. So I got involved originally um, just in my local community. Um, so just being a part of the Youth Community Involvement Board was the very first thing I did. Um, and it, I was appointed to it by the village mayor. I, asked for the position because it was a newly created thing and he knew me um, and thought I'd be a good fit for it. I'm, I'm not sure why he thought that to this day, but I'm very grateful for the opportunity and it has definitely paid off. Um, and switching from there, um, that kind of gave me the uh, runway I needed to actually take off with this um, and all of my ambitions. So um, come, I think it was 2016, early 2016, in like April, I saw an article in the community newspapers, which really just kind of shook me and that was that the florida power and light it's our local power company here in miami um they have a nuclear power plant down um, by by homestead which is between miami and the florida keys and what i read was that that power plant was having massive issues in terms of its surrounding environment for example biscayne bay is a national park it's one of florida's biggest treasures in my opinion it's a beautiful area Unfortunately, the salt water um, that the reactor pumps out when it's done using the fuel um, kept on polluting the bay. And once salt water reaches a certain point, life just simply cannot live because it's simply too salty. And what they had underground too is they're also pumping water underground. And what they had was called a saltwater intrusion line is as the salt water was pumped more and more into the ground, more space was needed to fill it. And it was slowly and slowly reaching the drinking water. And it was this close to drinking, uh, reaching the drinking water. 
And I'm thinking, I don't want to be in a city where we potentially have a Flint, Michigan times 100 because our nuclear power plant decided it doesn't want to get rid of its waste properly. So I went to a town hall hosted by a local commissioner, Daniela Vincava, amazing human being. And um, she is actually what I consider to this day my mentor. And I asked the question of, there was a couple of state representatives there and her and a few other local leaders. And I just grabbed the mic and I straight up asked them to their face, how can you be seriously holding this town hall and pretending like you're actually taking our constituent voices seriously when you're taking money from FPL and other energy companies? Um, Daniela Vincava was one of those who wasn't, but was also hosting it. So she saw that and was like, this, I guess um, she saw that I knew my stuff and she invited me for an internship. And um, that's when I really started taking off with everything else politically. Yeah, it's so great because you're just starting locally, right? And mm -hmm. when you start digging a little bit, like you probably realized on your own, like just how much needs to be done in the world. Like environmentally, there's always things coming up. And like for me, sometimes I'm so surprised, like we're living in Canada now. Mm -hmm. And then I hear about things they're going to money, they're going to pump into the oil companies or things like that, that are going to destroy like entire ecosystems and everything. And you're like, but we're in Canada. How can that, how can this be happening? And you just realize it's just happening everywhere. And then, so sometimes people are like, what's the point of even trying, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, you're out there and you're like, okay, I'm going to make a difference where I am. And, and you have, you know, because like, tell, let us um, know about, so you did kind of like, it took you a year or so or longer, I think, to get, there was a specific law you wanted passed about texting and driving. Yeah. Can you just tell so us that, a little about, about that? Sure. So the environmental thing was like the first real thing I got involved with politically. Um, and between the environmental issue and the internship I was offered by the commissioner um, who was at that environmental meeting, um, I realized that texting and driving was another major issue that um, face people my age and face people um, across the state. And what I realized about texting and driving um, was it was an issue that was just pretty much straight in my face. Um, I just drive to work. I mean, I worked at Publix when I was that age. And Publix is a grocery store, right? Yeah, Publix is a southeastern grocery store. Yeah. Um, great company. Been with them for six years, currently on leave because of COVID. But um, I, I really enjoyed working for them and uh, hope to continue to do so after the COVID crisis ends. But yeah. regardless, just going to work and just seeing the amounts of people who are completely oblivious to the road and just how no one really cares about the safety of others when they're in like a literal two-ton vehicle um, really struck a nerve with me. And at one point, someone could get hit and their life could be over just like that. And I think that's a horrible way for people to lose their life because it's something they had absolutely no control over. And it's something as mundane as, Hey, I'm just driving to work. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was something that really struck a nerve with me because it was just everywhere. For example, um, you can get guarantee this in Miami. This is just, especially in Miami that um, when a light turns red, people, go because they're not paying attention to the light and red means go to them because they're on their phone and they don't actually see the light turn red and they go right through the intersection. I've seen that so many times. And green means stop because when they're at the green light, um, they're still texting on their phone and they don't bother to look up at the light and traffic behind them is blocked for at least two blocks behind them. And they're completely oblivious to everything that's happening around them. 
So we have the, the problem essentially caused such a bad issue that the traffic lights were the meaning of traffic lights were actually literally inverted where green means stop and red means go. And that's how bad the distracted driving issue was in Miami at least. And it was so, also in my face when I was on the highway with my dad going to visit Grammy, um, my great grandmother and uh, you're also related to her. Um, and I looked to my left and people were swerving in and out of their lanes, not controlling the vehicle they were in. And I looked to my right, the exact same thing. And I just think we're probably about to get hit by these people because they're being complete morons. Um, I get home that day just completely furious over what was happening. And Florida uh, at the time was one of the only states in the nation that did not have a primary enforcement texting and driving law. What that means is a police officer cannot pull you over for texting and driving. And there's absolutely no way to stop people from doing that because why would I not text and drive when I'm never going to get in trouble for it? So I realized that really needed to change. And I think that would have, that, that's a law that not only a lot of grassroots momentum can be built on because I don't think big donors are going to be caring too much about whether or not their employees can text and drive or not, but it's also a great way to get involved in the political process and really see some, how the, um, how the issues face, um, how politics dealt with issues. Um, so that's when I decided, you know, what, I really want to get involved with this. So I reached out to the commissioner I got an internship with and I said, look, I want to look, do this on a county level. We need more enforcement. People are getting killed left and right because of people not paying attention. Um, and the story continues from there. Yeah. And so you worked really hard on it. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. something like that happened overnight, right? Like, no. and so what was there, what was keeping them from putting that law in place? So my original intent was, I mean, I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to stick to local politics because I felt local politics was the area where the constituents had the most impact. Um, for example, you can call up your local council person and say, hey, look, I need this done. I need a speed bump on my road. Or um, there is issues with over, overgrowth in the mangrove over there. I can get the county, um, the county um, services to cut that down. Just basic stuff like that. I think there's so much availability for citizen input on local level. So I tried starting at that level, um, which is why I reached out to the local county commissioner. And what happened was um, she said, look, you can do the research for the texting and driving bill during your internship, and I'll be happy to support you in whatever way I can. And I was super grateful for that. Um, she didn't really say, yeah, we're gonna get this done. This is right. something that can be done. But she said, look, I'll give you the opportunity to actually look into this and I'll give you the opportunity to really get involved. Um, and what she was really trying to tell me without actually like just flat out saying it is local governments in the state of Florida are preempted. And what that means is they have absolutely no authority to regulate or do anything about texting and driving. And only the state legislature has that authority. So at that point, I was kind of let down because I really wanted to just get it done in Miami because Miami was just huge in terms of how massive the issue is. Um, but I realized that the state legislature would have to be the way to go. And I thought, you know what, fine, I'll have to, tr I'll just try and get it done in the state legislature then. Um, so it was originally, that was my first huge setback is just the let down of, I can't get this on a local level anymore. But it also gave me the opportunity to expand and impact everyone in the state of Florida rather than just my local community. So it was a blessing and a curse to have that regulation in place. And how hard, how hard was it for you to get into the state legislator and, and let them like listen to you and 
I mean, how, how did you end up doing that and getting it done? Um, so I think the state legislature, um, I have a, quite a few opinions on it. Um, and I think that there is a lot of issues in terms of getting anything done in the state legislature, let alone Congress. And the reason why um, the state legislature, it is so hard to get anything done and just get in contact with these politicians is because a lot of them don't really give access to their constituents enough. Um, yeah. You might get a town hall or two where you can go and ask some questions, but at most you're probably gonna get lip service and you're not gonna get anything done. And the reason for that is, in my opinion, campaign finance reform and campaign finance issues. Um, when you donate to a politician's campaign, you're more likely to get access to them and you're more like that politician's more likely to be responsive to you because they need the money to be reelected. Re um, I'm not saying the vote buying is a thing, but what I am saying is that the politicians want to spend as much time get, giving access to people who can actually help them in the future. Yeah. Um, it's basic human dynamics. Like if I, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, that kind of thing. Um, but luckily the same person who appointed me to the youth community involvement board um, was the mayor of Pomona Bay. And what had happened was he knew this local state senator. He was running for re-election at the time. It was 2016, so it was a massive election happening. And I was able to um, call him. He just said, hey, here's your cell. Go ahead and call him. So tell him I sent you. They're all, they also went to university together, and they've been good friends for a long time. So that was an instant foot in the door for me. I call him up, and I go, hi, my name is Mark Merwitzer. I'm your constituent. Um, can you help me get texting and driving banned, please? And he's like, I'm in the middle of a campaign right now. Um, <laughs> session doesn't, like the legislature doesn't actually start until December and I can't help you anyway unless I'm actually in the legislature. Would you be able to, willing, would you be able to help me out on the campaign? Going back to what I just said earlier. Wow, he actually asked you that? Yeah. That's it crazy. Was, it was like, I need help. Um, I'm about to have a massive election battle. Um, I'll help you, but I need to get into office first. Can you please help me out? Wow. Like just straightforward <laughs> like that. There's like no, I mean, it wasn't that, it wasn't like that blatant, but like that was yeah. pretty much the message he sent me. Yeah. Uh, and like, that was just like the too long, like didn't like, like that was like the too long of the conversation. It was like the summary of what, like what had happened. And so next month in November, I find myself supporting uh, Miguel Diaz de la Portilla for state Senate in my local um, uh, state Senate district. He's actually a Republican. I found my, like, I, and I was a progressive Democrat at the time. Um, so I found myself supporting the Republican to help myself get in and get this person to accomplish what needed to be done. Um, so that was, it was, it was a fun experience just kind of getting in, into the system that way. But unfortunately he lost the seat. Um, to the, Dem the Democrat who is running, um, who's also a good person in my opinion, um, and was also very qualified for the position. Um, but at the end of the day, what needs to happen in politics is you, you need to be willing to sit down at the table and discuss what needs to be done with politicians. And that's what was like kind of the first lesson that kind of came to me was I had to um, help this person in his fight because if he lost, I would lose too. And he was my only in for the Florida legislature. Um, and the guy was also a super moderate Republican too. So I didn't really have too much of an issue supporting him. He was a very good um, politician. He blocked a lot of um, gun legislation that would have been catastrophic for a lot of people. Um, so he's, he at least has a, it's somewhat of a track record I agreed with. Yeah. Um, but 
he lost the election again. And I sent him a text that night just saying, hey, I'm sorry you lost. Um, can you help me out still? Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, um, this is how, like this is literally how it goes down. This is like how I, I think of the good old, boy, like, I, I call it the good old boys club because it kind of is with the state legislature. Um, he invites me up to his office. His lawyer office building it was like this beautiful, um, beautiful building in the middle of downtown Miami. And I went to school in downtown Miami. So I literally just went to school in a suit. And then right after I went to meet with him in his massive building and he sits down and he goes, thanks so much for your help. I really appreciate it. And um, like you, you seem to have your stuff together. So I'll be willing to still help you out. And this is a cause I care about. I genuinely cared about too, oh, cool. the way you explained it to me. And um, I actually do care about this and, um, this is something that I care deeply about. So he sits down and I kid you not, I've been trying for weeks to call up, like just call any sponsor for the legislation, for the legislation. So essentially what you need in any state legislature to get anything done is a bill sponsor. And what that person is, is essentially the person who's pushing to get it done in the legislature and who has the name behind the bill. And like no ordinary citizen can just go to the state legislature and say, hey, I want this bill done. Can you do it? You have to go to a representative. The representative has to file the bill and it has to go through a massive process to get it done, which is inherently political. Um, so I've been trying to find what the sponsor for the bill um, for weeks and I've had very little success. But and what was what really just made me kind of laugh was I go up to the guy's office and I sit down with him and he goes. Um, he says, let me I can get you a sponsor right now. He pulls up his phone. He literally calls his friend who was in the state uh, Senate at the time, uh, Senator Garcia, a really good person, amazing human being, um, and probably one of the best um, Republicans in the legislature, which is saying a lot because, I mean, most of, most of them were pretty bad, but this person was really good, in my opinion. Um, cared a lot about people and even tried to expand Medicaid, which would provide health insurance for so many Floridians. But... Um, what had happened was he sat down with, he called up Senator Garcia on his phone and within minutes he goes, Hey, Senator Garcia, what's up? What a name, what's up? Um, he goes, I got a young man, Mark Moritzer. He helps me out a lot of my campaign. He's a really good person. He really helps me um, with this. And he also has a very good issue that he's trying to push in the state legislature. Would you be interested in sponsoring a texting and driving bill? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything for you, Miguel. And just like that, boom, Senate sponsor, five seconds. So it, it was really nice um, because I was able to get a Senate sponsor at that time. And what had happened was I still needed a House sponsor. And what ultimately ended up happening was there's two chambers in, this, in the US politics. There's a House and a Senate. House is the lower house that has a lot more people in it. Um, and the Senate is the upper chamber. I was able to get the upper chamber sponsor, but not the lower chamber. And you need both uh, chambers um, to have a bill sponsored and to get it passed. So I was a, so what had happened was a person from West Palm Beach who lost her twin sister to a car accident filed the texting and driving bill because she saw Senator Garcia file it. And this is also an issue she deeply cared about because, hey, her twin sister literally died in a car accident. Yeah. Um, so session rolls around in December um, and what has happened is the bill gets what's called referred to committee. And what that means is it has to go through different committees to get become law. And what had happened was um, the sponsor of the bill, Renee Garcia, really cared about the issue because, I mean, it's common sense. Why would we not have a texting and driving law? And we were able to 
um, get the bill done through that committee. And what happened in the committee, I was 16 years old at the time. I flipped to Tallahassee for the very first time ever. Um, and the next thing I know, I'm in the committee room and the sponsor, Rene Garcia, is waving me up. Hey, come up, come up, come up. And I'm just like flabbergasted because I'm about to address a panel of a bunch of senators. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. And he, um, he, takes, he moves over his big binder and he, he brings me up and he goes, uh, Mark Merowitzer brought this bill to me. Um, he cares a lot about the issue. He's a representative of the youth. Uh, he'd like to present the bill, uh, the texting and driving bill. And the chair was just like, wait, what? <laughs> um, the rules of the Senate essentially says, says only a sponsor can present the bill. But what had happened was the chair was nice enough to let me go first before even the bill sponsor. Um, and I think he can even still find my testimony online. Uh, That's awesome. Public record. But, but he um, did that for, more for like impact, you think? Or... No, I, I think he did it because I was the one who brought the bill to him and he thought that it would, I, I guess, yeah, it would, it would have been fun to have a, the person who brought the bill, especially if someone my age, bring the, present the bill. And um, I think he was genuinely trying to help me and um, get the bill through because, I mean, just hearing from my generation would, would actually did send a message to those senators that this issue was a massive, um, was a massive issue. And so I gave my speech, um, I was stuttering all over the place because, I mean, it was the most, probably arguably one of the most powerful panels in the state of Florida at that time. And I, I, I out of nowhere, I was prepared to make a few minute remark and just say, hey, I really like this bill, can you help me out with this? But next thing I know, I'm presenting the bill in front of the committee um, and senators are asking me questions. And Senator Garcia was standing next to me um, and it was just an interesting experience getting asked questions like, um, how are you going to account for racial profiling, for example, is one of the questions. Um, is it constitutional to search someone's phone? And like, which was like a bogus question. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there was a lot of the, just different um, questions they asked. And um, a lot of them I just flat out didn't know the answer to because I mean, I wasn't expecting to present, but um, yeah. I, was able to kind of, I was able to kind of wing it. But the senator was sitting right next to me and also tuned in whenever he had to. Um, but that was my first kind of experience and um, I really, I, I thought it was thrilling at, at, at the end of it. It was like scary in the moment, but afterward I, um, I thought it was just thrilling. So um, that was one committee. There's four in the Senate, three in the House. Um, you need to get through all four committees in, in that session or else the bill fails. Um, what had happened that session is we had another committee hearing. I wasn't able to make it. I don't, I don't remember the exact reason. I think I had a test that day. Um, and I couldn't make it to that one, but that was the last hearing for that session. And what had happened is the bill in the House did not want to move at all because it was a Democrat who was filing it and partisanship got in the way of that, unfortunately. Um, but, the, and the Speaker also opposed it at the time, the Speaker of the House, who's like in charge of everything. But their uh, reason was what? They felt that they, they came up with some bogus excuse that it was unconstitutional, like a no, their, thing their, or? Their excuse was civil liberties. They didn't want to, they wouldn't want to have people pulled over. Like they just did not like like police interfering with people's lives. It was just like live free or die, do whatever the hell you want kind of attitude. That was their response to the texting and driving bill. Um, I, I don't know what had happened, but I mean, I yeah. guess that was their like excuse for it. And I, I think at the end of the day, it just wasn't on their agenda. It, like it wasn't really like their priority and it wasn't really something they cared too much about. And that yeah. was the reason why um, and to get any traction, unfortunately, which kind of sucked. But I mean, um, 
I was knocked out for one session. Um, wasn't the end of the world because, I mean, those people in Tallahassee get termed out. Was, my mentality was those people in Tallahassee get termed out. They have term limits. They're gone in like eight years at the most. Um, the person who was speaker is gone within a year or two. Um, and that, that's just the nature of everything. So I thought, you know, what, I can wait to next session. I'll try again. And I, I did. And it took three sessions to actually get it done. And, and it was in 2019 that they finally did it after going in 26, going in 2016, 17 and 18. So. Yeah, bravo. And so is, so it was passed all over Florida then? Yes. Is, yeah, that's amazing. And that was the only state that didn't have it in place? Um, it was like one of two. Okay, uh, the other crazy. one was Arizona. <laughs> okay. And, the, and when I first started, it was one of three. Then there was in Texas was the third one. And what had happened in Texas, which kind of pissed me off, it took this to happen for them to actually pass this law, is a church bus filled with seniors uh, was going down the highway. Someone texting and driving hit the church bus, flipped it over, killed everyone inside the church bus filled with seniors. Really? And it made national headlines. And the media just scolded, absolutely scolded Texas for their texting and driving law. The fact that like no one really paid attention to this issue in Texas. And then right in front of us, a church bus filled with 20 people got killed because of, of someone texting and driving. And then like, the next session, they passed the law. Um, and at that point, I was kind of upset that I'm thinking to myself, it's going to take a, another church bus to happen in Florida for this to happen. Um, luckily it didn't because, um, of the work I did and a bunch of other people who joined me did. Yeah. Um, but during that session, I think the biggest thing that happened was it got the attention of a lot of people. The Miami Herald picked me up and said, Hey, this kid just presented a bill in front of the committee, go interview him. And what had happened is it, the press coverage was great and all. I really appreciate my name going out there, but the most important thing that had happened with that Miami Herald press coverage is a mom who had lost her son to distracted driving, um, saw the article in the paper and reached out to me. Um, and she wanted to get involved. And wow. I heard another person from Tallahassee who was in the same situation. And now I had all these parents who had lost their kid to texting and driving, reaching out to me saying, hey, help me out here. Um, also, you're doing great work. And I'm thinking to myself, the drinking age law, fun facts, the drinking age law here in the United States is 21. but the reason that was that was the case is because a bunch of parents who had lost um, loved ones to drinking and driving um, went up to the Capitol Hill and um, really pushed for that law to become a thing. So if that can be done with texting and driving, I think it would have been it would have made a massive impact because it's really hard for a politician to say no to someone who literally was directly impacted by this issue and who has a story behind it and who has direct who has a direct connection to whatever they're doing. And it's a way for them to put a face behind the bill um, and the law. So that article was really what helped me get this thing off the ground and reach out to a bunch of other people who were working on the issue. And we were able to coordinate together. And by that, by the time the next session rolled around, the Speaker of the House changed his position because I think he was trying to run for governor too. And um, he saw how popular the issue was and how, you can come up there and say, I'm helping out all these parents who had lost loved ones um, get this done. So that was really what started moving it is how everyone came together and decided enough is enough. We're going to take on this, take this on. Yeah. What's so, what's so cool is just kind of like you learned that whole process. You were just kind of thrown into it, but you mm -hmm. had that, the courage. Like, so, you know, some people get scared or whatever, and it's kind of like you didn't really have time 
to be scared. You're just kind of like thrown in and then you dealt with it. And what also was great is just like you had that, this cause and this drive behind you. And um, you wanted, you wanted to get this law passed, but Mm -hmm. all the problems that you, that came along weren't going to stop you because, and I mean, how, 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 I mean, there's, there's always some people that are like, I'm going to go for it. I don't care. And then there's others that stop. They're like, it's too hard. It's too corrupted. I'm never going to get through. Like what kind of message would you have for people your age or even like adults? Like we've obviously given up in so many things as adults. You at one point you're like, what difference can I make? Let somebody else take care of it. But then there's the other side. It's like, well, if we don't take care of it, who is going to take care of it? And that so, was kind of my, my attitude is like, if no, if I'm not going to do it and no one's going to lead the charge, who the hell is? Um, and what really, it was really disheartening because at, at first when I had the bill fail, um, I took, again, it took me three tries to get this bill done. And with each of the three, three tries, if you fail on each one of those tries, you're back to square one. Um, and that's how the process works. So it's grueling. Um, and if you lose just one of those four committees, you lose on the floor anywhere, you lose anywhere, the whole thing is set back another year. Um, it's a grueling process. And the message I'd have for people is pe- the, a lot of people want to give off the illusion that government is beyond, beyond their reach and all you can really do is vote and then give up and hopefully the pe- person you vote for gets into office. And what I'd say is civic engagement is much more than just voting or um, getting in, like, or just basically doing any, in, anything really. What it really involves is getting in, essentially reaching out to your local uh, elected official, voicing your concerns, and whenever you actually have an issue, reach out to them and be persistent as hell. As I said earlier, these, the elected officials have a billion other things going on, but if you make yourself loud enough, I know it's sometimes uh, it, it, a lot of people are like, are humble. Like, Oh, my issue isn't that big of a deal. It is their job. It is their job to listen to you. So keep calling them, keep being on their butt about whatever issue you have yeah. and don't give up because the second you give up, it's the reason why our system is so corrupted is because people sit on their hands so much and don't get involved. Um, and the only people who actually do pay attention are the people with the influence. And if that were to change, that would be a massive step in the right direction. And that's why I strongly think that you need to get involved as much as you possibly can in government, because it's a way to counter the special influence that I saw. And what I mentioned earlier with the whole good old boys club of calling up your, a Senator on your phone, um, you can, you can actually get to that level. It's very, it's very doable. Um, go to all the events you can go to all the political town halls. You can be as nice as you possibly can to whatever the politicians are. And just the whole biggest thing that piece of advice I have for anyone talking to any politician is to hold on. My, my other grandma is calling me. Um, <laughs> the biggest piece of advice I'd have is it's more about listening and hearing this is, but this goes both ways. Listen to the person you're talking to, um, who's the elected official, and sit at the table with them and work with them. And that's the biggest thing is people, especially in our political climate these days, have this attitude of my way or the highway. 
I'm going to get everything I want all at once, or I'm not participating at all. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. Um, I had people who are, who were parents who really wanted to distract the driving bill full on hands free. Um, and at that point it wasn't politically doable because we weren't even a texting and driving state. We had to take a step in the right direction first to get people used to the texting and driving first and move in that direction. Um, and they learned that lesson too, that we need to listen and we need to, as much as we possibly can, um, get involved and ha make your voice heard so they listen to you, but most importantly, also listen to them. Um, and if you don't like what they're saying, you have every right to go out and campaign and get someone else in office who's going to listen to you. And that's what I think is the biggest thing at the end of the day is really try and listen to, listen to everyone around you. And that's what really makes people stand out in any crowd is that it's not the loudest person in the room. It's the person who's most willing to listen. And that's what I realized the most too, the most, um, as I was going through this, an example of that is just working with the bill sponsors um, and actually trying to get language through um, and just saying, Hey, I asked them, what do I need to do to get a bill heard in committee? Uh, my idea was to start a massive protest in front of their office because the person was blocking the bill and really just get them like shame them. Um, and they said, no, let's be more diplomatic about it and just try and get them to come around. And um, I'm going to try and reach out to the speaker and you, I want you to do that too and put pressure on this person behind the scenes without actually shaming them. Because in politics, once you burn a bridge, it's burned. Um, so it's an intricate game, honestly, but um, it's a lot of people don't have the stomach for it. And that's what really is um, a massive issue is it is a, it is a system that um, requires you to make compromises that you don't know you're willing to make. And that's what it really is. Um, you have to be able to make compromise. Yeah. And so now like you're, you're studying political science, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what is your like, not goal, but like, your mission or your objective, like where do you want to be or what, where would you ideally like to see yourself in the next mm -hmm. like 10 years? Um, I'd either like to work for a elected official in essentially in being their right hand man, um, draft legislation, um, do things on their behalf in terms of getting their bills done, um, doing a lot of the behind the scenes work that the, the staff in, in politics, a lot of people say, oh, I'm never going to speak to the person themselves. Um, this person doesn't really care. I am telling you right now, the staff behind the staff helping the, uh, the congressman or representative, those are the people who do all the work. Those are the people who really do the legwork in the Capitol. And I want to be a part of that because um, it's a rewarding job, in my opinion, and you make a change in the state. But um, at some point I do, whether it's right out of college or just um, whenever I possibly can, I do want to run for office for for something. I haven't decided what it is yet. Um, yeah. And my experience kind of tells me I don't want to run for a state house um, because state house, you it's very hard to get much done in state house. But in the state senate or in a local county jurisdiction, um, you can get a lot of things done and really serve. Um, and that's that's the job. That's what I, I'm hoping to do at the end of the day is um, give the voice to the people who don't exactly have. Like, they give the voice to the person who doesn't have the cell number of the yeah. politician. So if yeah. I understand, yeah, if I understand correctly, it's kind of like middleman in the way that you would be the person um, 
out there listening to real citizens and their their concerns and then find a way like if you believe in their cause it's practical it's logical like this is Mm -hmm. something like not even a it's like a no-brainer how would you uh, am i so what i'm saying is i feel like you would take all that and then try to persuade or convince or come up with data or whatever you need to tell the person above you like okay this is what needs to be done like you feel is that what you want to do yeah so like that seems to Mm -hmm. be the most or be the person above and just like do most of that work myself. Um, just really listen to as many people as I possibly can. And that's what politics is. And that's what we don't have enough of these days. It's yeah. the ultimate lesson. Um, we have a lot of talking and a lot of just saying this side over here is just straight up evil. They don't care about this thing or they don't care about this issue. When at the end of the day, if you just sit down and just listen and talk and that's what I really wish we did is just sit down and talk. Um, it would be a massive step in the right direction for this country. Um, and that's what we really need in politics is someone who's willing to listen and who's willing to um, get things done to the best they possibly can um, from the experience they have listened to. And that's what, that's my goal at the end of the day is be that person who can listen to as many people as possible and push what they really need done. Yeah. Um, and so when you like, yeah, so I was just thinking like, so you're doing your, your university studies and all of this. And when you're in class and stuff, do you feel like the professors know what they're talking about? Like, have they gone out there and done that stuff? Or is it more like theory that they're throwing at you? And you're sitting there thinking, I already have this, some experience here. Like, I know how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have professors that you're like, wow, I'm learning so much? Um, or yes. do, you, do you do? Okay, great. Um, so some of the professors, um, a lot of it is academia and a lot of it is, um, just theory and everything, but that theory can really be applied to your day-to-day activity. And that's what really, it comes down to it. You can have all the knowledge in the world you want. And that's what separates a lot of people. In my opinion, you can, you can have all the knowledge in the world you want. You can know all the theory, you can know all of the like how this works here, like how what this interest group does with this politician, this will happen. You can know all of that you want, but actually doing something with it is I think the biggest thing that a lot of people, um, and actually applying it and actually knowing it is what I think separates a lot, a lot. So I'm not saying that to say, because I'm patting myself on the back for having all the experience I have and everything, but um, I'm saying that because it's with any profession, you can, like you can read a manual on, fixing car a car all you want but you're not actually gonna be able to fix a car until you um at least get your hands dirty with it yeah um, and that's that's with anything really yeah um, it's a definitely. Skill. and that's what politics is and it's a skill and it's something that involves a lot of listening and that's why i, I think that the theories that i'm taught in class are valuable in the sense that I can kind of guess what's going to happen next uh, or what's going to happen if I do this. At the end of the day, the biggest thing you can possibly do is um, keep that in mind and just keep listening to people and doing what you need to do. And that's what I think needs to be done um, in politics. And, but with, with, with professors, um, I had the very first year of senior uh, of, um, of freshman of college, I took a interest group politics class and I was literally working with interest groups. Um, so I kind of knew how they work because of that, for example. So that was really helpful. Um, and I was able to get a lot of on the ground experience with that. 
Um, and I'll be honest about, about that class. I didn't do any of the reading and I still got a good grade in it. And that was mainly because um, I had all that experience and I kind of knew like, hey, this is how it's going to happen. Um, this is what's going to happen with this group because it, it, I just know how they behave. Yeah. And so now like as an older generation, like older than your generation, I, I kind of feel pessimistic sometimes, you know, and can you kind of help us feel a little more optimistic? Like as far as your group, your generation, do you find that the others studying political science with you or the others that you come in contact with during certain activities or do you find that there are a lot of like-minded people like you that want to make a difference in a practical, honest way? Yeah, and that's, that's something that's great about this generation is I'm not the only person who's realized that you really need to get involved in politics. You really need to listen to people. You really need to just get your hands dirty as much as possible and really get, get out there. Um, there's kids at, at the University of Florida, my school, who are involved in the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting, who are now pushing for extremely strong gun control laws, who I praise left and right. And some of them are even my, in my class. And there's so many people who have on who have that experience. And I think that my school has a ton of political science people. And there's so many people out there who even who aren't in political science who still want to make a difference. And that's something that is something to be optimistic about is this generation is the most hands on generation and is the most um, pedal to the metal generation in, try, in terms of trying to get things done um, that I've seen, at least in my in my view. You still don't vote, don't vote for some reason, which kind of disappoints me. Um, but the people who are engaged are really engaged and those who aren't are just not. So that's what I'd say about this generation is the people who are actually engaged in my generation are strongly engaged, are strongly trying to make change happen and are very passionate about everything they talk about. Yeah. I find yeah. like, you know, there's so many inspiring, like young, like Greta out there for the environment and climate mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Like, and I, a part of me, like everyone admires her. Well, most people admire her so much. And then sometimes you hear her say like, how dare you, you adults, how dare you let, let this be uh, on our backs now, on our shoulders, our responsibility. Why hasn't anyone done anything? And I feel like it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about it took a bus of senior citizens dying for this to pass, even though you could have said, this is dangerous. We don't need to have something catastrophic happen, right? And it seems so often humans, our, our experience, or maybe it's caught up in politics that even like with the COVID happening, now you're seeing all the weaknesses in the economy and health and all these things that we knew. We've known it forever, right? But it's like, we're not going to do anything until it's so catastrophic that we have no chance. You're going to be forced to change because it's so in your face. Like, is there a way we can, do you feel there's a way to um, get changes made before it turns into something catastrophic? Um, I mean, on a political level, um, I, 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 I just don't know. Um, it would involve electing the right people who care about the future. It would involve a massive grassroots movement to really get things done. For example, it's climate change, um, which we're already seeing steps in the right direction for that. Um, and it would involve just so much. Um, and the reason why we react like that and we're reactive in my, and just my, this is just my personal opinion. This yeah. isn't gospel. This is literally just my opinion. Um, we have a limited supply of resources um, and we have a finite amount of time. We have a finite amount of, um, things we can possibly do. 
And what we have a tendency to do, it's, I think it's within our nature. We care about the things that are directly in front of us exactly. and are directly like just straight up in our face. Um, and that's something that does worry me about climate change, but we're slowly waking up to that fact that we need to be more pre proactive about it. Um, but I think it's just within our nature that we only care about the things that are directly in our face. It's kind of like, oh, I have that basket of dirty laundry over there. Um, I'm, I don't want to do it until I absolutely have to. That, that's, that's the kind of um, nature we all have. Um, and it's, I, I do wish we were more proactive, um, but I think that with the finite resources we have, our tendency is to try and get as much as we can um, with what we, we're facing right now. Um, and that's, I think, was a reasoning I don't agree with it behind getting rid of the pandemic response team with the Trump administration. It was a reason why we're not paying serious attention about climate change, at least in Congress. And it's because it's not an issue that's right in our face. Yeah. I think when sea level starts to rise and people are um, losing their homes, that's when we're really, really going to be seeing action on it. But and I think it's just when they're within our nature that we, um, that we, uh, focus on what's in front of us. But I mean, to be hopeful, I would say that we're slowly moving away from that mentality. Um, we're listening to, we're listening to scientists more in my opinion. And I'm hoping I, in 2010, the last time the Democrats had a full control of, over the federal government, we almost had a cap and trade, um, bill implemented, which is essentially it puts limits on the amount of carbon emission in the air. So I think that there's reason to be optimistic about um, this change in general. Um, so we're, we're moving in the right dire direction in so many fields. Just for example, poverty has been slowly being eradicated. Um, like we, millions of people have been lifted from poverty over the last 10 years. And um, that's just one example of how we're moving the right, in the right direction. Yeah, and I feel like, especially at this time with Trump and COVID, like it's hard to to say, oh yeah, uh, I mean, this is such a great time for people to really um, get their voices heard and try to make changes. And um, But I feel like if I were in politics right now, I would be so frustrated seeing what is happening, especially in the US. Um, so to be able to see like, oh, this is just temporary and we're moving in the right direction. I feel like that's that's a great optimistic outlook to be like, okay, mm -hmm. we're still going to move forward. There's still things we can do. Don't give up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's why, we're, like, for example, in the moment, we're we're thinking, oh, we're not like back when the pandemic team was cut, for example. In the moment, we're thinking, ah, we're not going to have to deal with this for ten years from now, or like a couple hundred years from now, because like we just had the Spanish flu less than a hundred years ago, for example, and yada yada yada. Um, I think that hindsight is 2020 um, and a lot of people can go, Oh, you could have done this. You could have done this. You could have done this um, to try and get something um, and accomplish something. But um, I think that with the things in front of us, we're doing an okay job. Um, but I do, for example, climate change that is also right in front of us. And I hope we're pushing to get something like that. We're moving in the right direction with that too, in my opinion. Yeah. But I mean, that's just how we are. We focus on the things directly in front of us. And, um, and that's just my, my opinion on it. And a lot of people can disagree, but I mean, that's just how I think about yeah. um, how politics are dealt with. I think it's, yeah, I don't know if any, I don't know if anyone can argue with that. <laughs> it seems like something so evident, right? 
but yeah, this is great. Um, I'm excited that you're out there doing all these things and that, um, that you have this go-getter type thing, um, but still realistic and, you know, very down to earth. And I feel like a lot of people, hopefully a lot of people watch the show and hopefully younger people will watch it as well so that they also feel like, wow, yeah, I can make a difference. And even if it's not easy, what I want to do is important and I, I have to find that way and do it anyways. You know what I mean? Because anything that we really believe in is going to be, a, there is a slight struggle that's going to be, uh, be there. We have to move forward either way. Uh, giving up is not going to help ourselves or anybody around us, you know? So. I mean, my, my attitude with this is if it was easy, it would have already been done. Yeah. I mean, someone else could have done it. Um, like if it was that easy. Um, so that's with anything really, you have to understand that anything worth doing is going to slap you in the face a few times. Um, you're going to, you're going to fail in whatever you're going to do at first. You're going to have challenges. You're going to go up in front of a committee and absolutely stutter every other word that comes out of your mouth. Um, because you weren't really familiar with what was going on. I mean, you're going to fall a bunch. You're going to, you're going to, it, it's something that's absolutely natural in a lot of what we do. Um, but what separates a lot of people is the willingness to continue, the willingness to um, realize what, like to have the hindsight and say, okay, this is what I did wrong. Um, having the humility to accept that, yes, this is what I did wrong and this is what I need to fix and be able to move forward. And that's yeah. why is the, is the biggest thing that is, that was what so many people had in getting with texting and driving bill done is, um, I wasn't the only one with, with the ability to look back and say, this is what we need to be done. But, um, a lot of other people were able to do that. And the fact that all of us, once we failed a couple of times, we were able to think, okay, this is what we need to do to get it done the third time. Um, for example, and no matter how many times it takes, I mean, yeah. you're not going to get something like the harder something is to get done, for example, the more you're likely to constantly fail at it. Because again, if it was just that easy to just get something done, anyone could do it. And it's not worth doing, in my opinion, if anyone else can do it. And um, that's just the nature of challenges. Yeah. Um, and it's our way of growing as well, because when you learn from something you did and it's not even that you did it wrong. It's just that you had no other way. That was the only way you knew at the time. And now you learn from that experience and you're like, oh, next time I know I'm going to do it this way. And so you build and build until you become like an expert at what you do because you mm -hmm. just get so much experience and you learn so much from the wrong way or a mistake or whatever, because you look at it, you're not afraid to look at it. Then you're stronger each time you go back, right? Like you just- Exactly. And- that's so important just to like realize like, wow, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more knowledgeable. I'm figuring stuff out. And so all of that's the process uh, that people need to be willing to take, especially like people that are um, impatient or perfectionists. That's scary because they want to get it right the first time. They don't want to get up there and stutter. You know what I mean? Like, because then they go home and they think like, oh, I suck. Like I'm never doing it again. Right. But it's like, don't expect to be, it to ever be perfect, you know, like, especially with perfectionism in politics. I mean, you're never going to have perfect anything because we're not perfect. We're not a perfect species. In my opinion, we're not a perfect, like anything in my opinion, no one's perfect at literally anything. Right. Um, there are people who know a lot more about politics than I do, for example, but 
um, I'm willing to constantly learn and learn and learn. And that's what the beauty of it is, is you have that ability to learn. And um, that's part of the process um, is embracing the imperfection and moving forward with it, um, acknowledging it and um, learning from it. And that's what I think is the most valuable thing that we can do. Absolutely. And even like the, on the path you're at, it's like you're learning how to talk and listen to certain people uh, and everyone has their own personality. So it's like, sometimes you're up against a personality that you've never ever dealt with before. So that's mm -hmm. like challenging. And then afterwards you're like, Oh, I think I figured out the best way to talk to this type of person or listen to this type of person. So like you said earlier, if people are listening more, then there's more communication able to happen because you're taking a real interest in how that person thinks and works. And then there's more of a connection when you talk to these people. And when people feel listened to, they're more likely to um, feel some kind of friendship or some kind of connection and, and want to help, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's just like a conflict all the time and there's no communication, no connection, then that person has like, still wants to push you away basically, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's with anything really. That's with any kind of relationship. That's with any kind of um, business dealings. That's with any kind of any kind of policy it's with any kind of policy like doing anything in politics um you're dealing with people who come from different backgrounds of all like of all kinds i mean in yeah. tallahassee for example we had real estate brokers we had architects we had um police officers and you're never and what i'd say is you're dealing with a lot of different different personalities you're dealing with a lot of different people and what i think needs to happen is a lot of people have assumptions about certain kind of um, people, there's a lot of assumptions out there about certain kind of occupa occupations. There's a lot of assumptions about um, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And when you just approach someone and just drop all assumptions and just let them talk, um, I think that you have a much better understanding of them and that puts you, it makes you much more valuable. Yeah. Um, it makes you much more valuable as a human being. Um, and that's what I, like, for example, there was a police officer and I thought automatically, oh, they're going to be a conservative. They're going to, um, just staunchly support this and they're going to do this X, Y, and Z. Um, and you just ask them, Hey, what do you think about this? And they tell you it might be the exact opposite, for example. So it's a, it's a fascinating, it's, it's, it's a fascinating realm and that's what politics yeah. is at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. And I wish you all the luck and all the success. You're a great person to have uh, in charge of something important, I think, because you are going to listen and that's what we need. So I wish you all the best and thank you so much for sharing all these stories. Yeah, of course. And thank you. Thank you so much. And um, if you at one point, uh, when I put this up on our website, if you have your own website or you have certain um, causes that you want me to put up there that people can look into or specific advice for people that want to understand how things work a little better, etc. I'll put it up, no problem. And people can, can keep uh, staying um, aware of certain things going on. And, and that way they can feel that there's something they can do if, uh, if, they, if they want to. Of course. And thank you very much. And uh, good luck with the show. Thank you so much. Have a good Have a one. Good you too. Bye.